had to give Tim a high five. He got it right for 1045 service. He introduced me as Daniel Mason this morning. <laughs> and um, we laughed about it. I'm like, yeah, Daniel went through a great big transformation. <laughs> Hallelujah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus, working miracles. Um, but yeah, um, my name is uh, Chris Cooper, and I am campus minister uh, right down the street at North Carolina Central. Uh, university, and I'm glad to be in front of you today to, to you know, speak the word of God. And uh, before I get started and we stand uh, for the scripture as I read it, uh, as we do here in C3, Christ Central Church, uh, I just want to give a big shout out to Crawford and my man Peter and Dukes in the house. Um, if you don't know, I got a special relationship with them and my man Croft. They've really been helping me adjust, so I just want to say thank you. Um, it's nothing wrong with just a, a little humility and saying, hey, you've been a big help to me, and thank you for allowing me um, to become a part of your little crew and um, do things, you know, so that's pretty cool. So let us stand and uh, read Exodus 17th chapter, 1 through 7, and it reads, all the congregation of the people of Israel moved on from the wilderness of sin by stages, according to the commandment of the Lord, and camped in Rephidim. But there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore the people quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. And Moses said to them, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirst there for water. And the people grumbled against Moses and said, Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to kill us? Our children and our livestock with thirst. So Moses cried to the Lord, What shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, Pass on before the people, taking with you some of the elders of Israel, and taking your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile, and go. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock at Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and water shall come out of it, and the people will drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the name of the place Massa and Meribah because of the quarreling of the people of Israel and because they tested the Lord by saying, is the Lord among us or not? As we all know, this world will pass away, but the word of the Lord will stand forever. You may be seated as we go into prayer. Father God, I come humbly before you this morning asking that you put Chris Cooper behind the cross and please let your glory show forth. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, do the work in your design to do. Lead us and guide us into all truth. Man, be a light to my feet and a lamp unto my pathway. Guide us through this dark world. Soften our hearts so that the word is seated within our heart and we may be deeply rooted being a tree of fruitfulness for your glory and your glory alone. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. So here at Christ Central, we've been going through a series of Exodus, and we've been dealing with each specific chapter. And if you haven't been here, just to kind of give you an overview, um, man, God is providing for Israel. We, we learned that he chose the people of Israel within Egypt who were oppressed, and he has taken them out through 
miraculous wonders, and he has split the Red Sea, and, and he has cut ties with the Pharaoh, and then when we come to learn that after they are going past the Red Sea, that they have some problems and some issues, and, but during those issues, God is taking care of them. Last week, we learned through Tim in the 16th chapter that God is providing bread in the dew of the morning, amen, and he is establishing a Sabbath, which is a day of rest, giving us an assurance that, guess what, God will take care of us. All we have to do is rest in him. But as we get to the 17th chapters, we know these things then happen. It seems like Israel gets a little antsy. What Israel does is say, Lord, you're providing us with bread in the morning. They just start complaining that there is no water. Now, I don't know about you, but my favorite spot is Olive Garden. <laughs> and when you walk in the Olive Garden and you go get set, you sit down, the first thing they give you, oh, you want some breadsticks? <laughs> yes, as you can tell. <laughs> get breadsticks, and then a super salad. I'm a salad man, right? And when you get the bread and you get the salad, right, bread without water, just, it's just not a right combination. So the first thing the waitress says, what do you want to drink? I say water, right? I need bread and water because my mouth would be dry and I'll be craving for some water. Now that's a good way to think of it, but don't you know, in this particular moment, what Israel does when they thirst is they demand of Moses that he gets them water. They don't do it with a humble spirit. They don't do it, you know, with a spirit of gratitude, but they do it with a demanding spirit. They say, I thirst, you give it to me right now, Moses. We need it right now, Moses. And I don't know about you, but when we're walking through the wilderness, now the wilderness can be a multitude of things in our lives. It can, it can be financial. It can just be us not feeling like we feel God and we see him and we hear him. It can be marriages. It can be friendships for students. It can be class. And sure enough, it can be that professor. I've been there right? Our wilderness experience, what happens is when there's a particular need that arises, we just go and demand of God, God, you need to fix it right now. Oh, man, Moses looks at him and is like, why are you getting mad at me, basically? You're testing the Lord. You are actually telling the Lord that you need this need, and you're not asking him, but guess what you are doing? You are demanding it from him. See, many times when we in our wilderness state and, and we're going through, we don't go to the Lord with a heart of humbleness. We go to the Lord with a demanding spirit like, Lord, I need it to be done right now. Please go get it for me. Not shocking today. Why? Because we live in society, right? That if I hunger or if I thirst, right? My favorite place is Burger King. They got two for six dollars waffles. I love waffles. I'm hungry. I go through the drive-thru, right? I want two waffles for $6 and a cup of water. Water's free. <laughs> and a cup of water, right? So I get my waffles I eat, no longer hungry, right? I get my water I drink, no longer thirsty, and I'm fulfilled, right? But let me tell you this. Think about it in a different context. Now, I'm a big guy. When I was 15, I probably was about 6'3", 315. I was lifting a lot more. I look way better than I do now. <laughs> Thank you. Right? And what if I just went to my mom and be like, Mom, I'm thirsty. Give me some water. 
Now, where I'm from, my mom would look at me. Boy, you don't know who you're talking to. <laughs> I don't know about you, but you say another word, I, <laughs> you better go over there and sit down. And then if I ask my dad, dad, give me some water, he'll say, boy, you're going to sit down. You're going to be thirsty for the rest of your life <laughs> until you learn how to speak to me. The amazing thing is Israel was talking to God like that. They're talking to God like that. They're going before the holy of holies. They're going before the author and creative of our faith. They're going before, you know, Psalms 33 to speak things into existence. They're going before him and saying, you know what? I demand of you, God, that you give me water right now. Oh, man. Man, in our wilderness state, we can do that, right? And when we make that happen, when we demand of God, when we want him to do it on our time, then guess what? We're saying we're God over him. We're saying that we control God. No, we pray when we say the Lord's Prayer, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And when we say thy will be done, we mean on his timing, when he decides to come help us, when he decides to come fulfill our need. We don't get the glory. God does. God does. So I could kind of relate to Israel. I'm thirsty. I need a drink. Lord, I need it right now. The second thing we can learn from them, which speaks directly towards us, is since they're thirsty, they're willing to actually quarrel with Moses and stone him. They're actually willing to say, Moses, you're the leader. Now, we don't, we don't really like what God is doing, so we're going to go after you. When we're in our wilderness experience, we do this very quickly. When we feel like we have a brokenness in our relationship with Jesus or God, we start taking out our frustrations on the person next to us. I know I can't talk to God like that, but sure enough, I can talk to my friend like that. Right? So when we feel that disconnect, right, when we feel that disconnect with God, it seems like we, we can't get it right with our relationships, with our friendships, with our marriages, with our spouses, amen, within our jobs. It's something there that is causing us to place the blame on somebody else. You know what? That's normal. If you look in Genesis 3 in the fall and Eve eats the fruit, right? Adam comes behind her, eats the fruit, and then... God comes down, and they said he's walking in the cool of the day. I like that phrase. I like to see God is just chilling, walking like these people. <laughs> um, and they're hiding behind the bush, and then when he comes from among them, what does Adam do? She made me do it. Oh, come on, Adam, man up. She made me do it. When we have a brokenness with God, and we're in our wilderness state many times, that frustration, that, that pent-up anxiety, that anger of things not getting done in our timing causes us to take out our anguish, our anger, anxiety on people who love us, on people who are there for us, and we give them all of it. We give them all of it, not because of what they did, but because of our frustration to where our relationship with God is in our wilderness. Right? The first commandment is to love the Lord thy God with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our soul. And then you look in Deuteronomy, it also says, with all thy strength. And then in the gospel, it says, this is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it. Love thy neighbor as you love thyself. But when you're frustrated with the first part, you can't get the second part right. It is highly impossible. 
And I'm not that old, but I speak from experience. Right? So now, God, you're not moving on my timing. Now I'm frustrated. I don't feel you. I don't know if you're there. So I'm going to take out my anger on the next man, on my neighbor. And then the third thing we can learn from them, they, man, Israel, Israel now shows that they don't trust God. They do not trust God. Look, it's so apparent because at the end of the water coming out of the rock, amen, Moses names the place. He gives it names that says, hey, I'm naming this because you test the Lord and you were questioning if God was really for us. Now they don't believe God is there. They don't believe that he is actively walking with them, that he is actively going through their experiences, that he is actively right in the middle of their messes. They believe, is God really there? Has God really done something? That is amazing to me because when you look at Exodus, he split the Red Sea. He's giving you bread in the morning. He, he guided you out of Egypt, and yet you still questioning him? See, many times we're so focused on looking in the forward that we don't appreciate the blessings that God has already given to us, right? In our wilderness experience, this is the hardest thing that ever happened to me. I can't do it. Don't you know if God took you out of of what he took you out of a year ago, he can do the same for the same experience right now? If God helped you throughout all your life, if, if he kept being there when you didn't think you was going to make it, if he kept being there, amen, in that financial trouble and, and he came through for you, if he kept being there so that you can be sitting here in C3 and worshiping his name right now, no matter the wilderness, you should be reminded of how great God is. See, in our wilderness, it always blocks that. It always kind of makes us forget about, man, God has really taken care of us up to this point. Why should we question if he's for us or if he's not? Look, I'm here to tell you he is there with you. The scripture says he'll never leave you nor forsake you. He is right there. He is all-knowing. He knows what you're going through. And guess what? He is there to carry you when you are in need. When you are in need. Now, the great thing about the scripture is throughout all of this that's going on, there is an answer, right? See, whether we are in the part where we are murmuring and complaining and, and we're at the part where we're saying, you know what, you know, I demand this of God. Or maybe you're at the second part where you're taking it out on your neighbor, right? Or maybe you're at the third part where you're like, God, I can't feel you. I don't know where you're at. I'm frustrated. Man, I don't know what you, what's going to happen. I don't know what to do. Within this particular story, there is a place where Moses cries out to God. See, when we get in our wilderness place, we shouldn't be complaining, we shouldn't be murmuring, we shouldn't be, oh, this, this, and that. We should cry out to God. Moses cried out to him. He said, God, they want to stone me. They want to get rid of me. What do I do? And, and God said, I got your back. I got your back. Let me tell you what to do. And this is what I love about this story right now because the answer is coming up. He says, take my staff. Now, if you don't know anything about the staff, the staff symbolizes of, of coming out, right? Because every time the staff came, the plagues came, they would let my people go. They, they went at the Red Sea. He had the staff, right? So this staff must be something. 
He says, take my staff, take that counsel. Now go to this rock, strike the rock, and watch the water flow from it so the people can drink. There is an answer for us in this time, and that answer is Jesus Christ. Don't you know we call Jesus Christ the rock of ages? We call him the rock that is higher than I, amen? Don't you know the staff is wood? And and when it strikes the rock, amen, didn't Jesus die on a cross, which was what? Wood, amen? He had thorns around his head, amen? And then while he was on a cross, the soldier had the spear, and he pierced him in his side, and it says in the gospel that blood spilled out, and it also said water, Water spilled out alongside of him. Don't you know he is the rock that is still giving us water until this day. Water means life. He has given us life. He is the ever-flowing well that is forever fulfilling our thirst, our spiritual need in the time of our wilderness. Paul writes in Philippians, he, he says, in 1 Corinthians, I'm sorry, 10.4, and he said, And did all drink the same spiritual drink, for they drunk of the spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Jesus Christ. In St. John 7th chapter, 37 verse, he goes on to say, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And don't even bring up the woman at the well in Samaria, amen, who who was thirsty and and, and went before Jesus. And he said, if you had a drink of what I was giving to you, amen, you wouldn't be thirsty for the rest of your life because it's everlasting to everlasting to everlasting to everlasting. It never runs dry. When you get to the place where you're complaining, when you get to the place where you're second guessing if he's with you, when you get to the place where you're taking it out on other people. You go to the cross of Jesus Christ and you allow the water to flow from his side, partake of it, and allow his love, his life to just go over your body and say thank you. And say thank you. Because this ever-given water will take care of you in your biggest time of need. In your biggest time of need, don't allow it. Don't allow it to take that water away from you. Don't allow it to take that thankfulness and joyfulness away from you. I'm going to leave you with this because I love this particular hymn, and I got to give the guy credit. I just learned this guy wrote this hymn. I'm just used to opening the hymn book like, let's sing this today. Um, And this guy's name is Edward Moat. And we sing this all the time in the African-American church. It's called My Hope is Built. My Hope is Built. And the words of the song is, My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. And then I love this part. It says, On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. And then we get into it, we are just repeating it on Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. We may say that 30 times and people just start crying because you have an understanding that it is Jesus Christ, our rock, who is our foundation that whatever may come, 
whatever may happen, whatever wilderness we are going through, we just stand on the rock and we're unmovable, unshakable, and we're giving glory to God. In Jesus' name, amen. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Father God, we just come to you, man, asking that you never allow us to forget about that well that's forever flowing in our lives, that water that's forever giving life, that we never forget about that cross, which is always a reminder to us that, yes, we can rest in you, but we can also have faith in knowing that you will take care of us. Allow us to just surrender all, Father, give ourselves to you, Father, um, and just allow us, Father God, to come to you in a humble heart. Father, we love you and we need you. In Jesus' name, amen.